on this week's Thoughts from the Shade, we'll talk about the 8-1 and one Philadelphia Eagles as they suffered their first loss of the season at the hands of the Washington Commanders. We'll take a look around the NFL in Week 10. Talk about my trip to Penn State this weekend. Look at college football. Bombs got a bone to pick this weekend. And we got a mix and match six-pack, holiday style. Let's do it. Welcome back, everybody. It's episode 69 of Thoughts from the Shade, and it is not a solo ep for me. I was going to call last week's episode the G-Spot. Might have been the first I'd hit, though. Nice. <laughs> 69 G-Spot. We're, we're getting explicit. We're earning that explicit rating on, on the podcasting apps. But speaking of the apps, wherever you're listening, leave us that five-star review. And, and hit subscribe. We appreciate it. Um, before I throw it over to Bob and bring it back in, I think I was talking last week about Frank Reich. We had our spot in the shade call for, about Frank Reich, and I think I said that he was the first NFL coaching casualty of the season. Uh, that was not correct. Forgot about our boy Matt Rule down in Carolina. Um, so just wanted to make the correction. You, you know, we, we Penn State fraud. Another Penn State fraud, you say? Yeah, bombs back. Um, but yeah, make the correction. It's it's usually one take here, so there are blips. Shit happens, and uh, we appreciate everybody sticking with us. Bomb, welcome back. Uh, how, how's the week been? D- did you listen to the episode last week? Anything you want to address before we get to the Eagles? No, nah, I thought you pretty well covered it. Um, you know, I listened to it on the flight home from Texas, and it was it was bittersweet to hear you give the the autopsy on the fight in Phils. Um, yeah, looking forward to the the hot stove heating up here, seeing if the the Phils can sign a Trey Turner, can sign a Xander Bogarts. I think it's obviously need a little more firepower up the middle of their uh, defense and uh, top of their lineup. So we saw that with Segura's option being declined. Uh, but no, I mean, I thought you covered it pretty well. Uh, the, uh, the Upton take was, was hilarious. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I appreciate, appreciate you going solo there, man. Hey, we gotta, we gotta keep the train rolling and I can't take all the credit for, for the Upton and Verlander and their antics. You and I were, uh, discussing that offline off air, uh, for, for days there. So I just wanted to make sure I, I, I demonstrated that point, um, you know, in your honor, in your absence, but. Welcome back. Glad to have you back. Nice to uh, nice to have a partner in crime. Eagles fall. First loss of the season. 32-21 on Monday night at home. That loser, Carson Wentz, was in the building in his sweats. He he did not look happy whatsoever to, to be in the building. Um, oh, but he, but he had time to get down on the logo and take a knee at the end of the game and hold hands with BG and say a prayer. You think he had like some super corny kind words for BG after that that, that last play that ended the game? A hundred percent. It's all part of God's plan, brother. <laughs> Keep your chin up, BG. All part of a bigger plan. So we talked about in the the Phillies Phillies game Philly series. Uh, 
and game five and, and Meek Mill coming out. And I, I called it the kiss of death last week, felt it in the moment. Uh, there was a kiss of death down in the parking lot of Lincoln Financial Field last night. And I love I love Jeffrey Lurie. I, I love our owner. I think it's great that he went out amongst the people and, you know, yucked it up, showed his appreciation. But and th- I don't think this is on Jeffrey Lurie, but you saw the footage online across the socials of, of Jeffrey Lurie and some of the fans tailgating, dancing along to Queens, We Are the Champions. In week 10, 8-0, big divisional foe in town, not even halfway through the schedule. And we're out there in the parking lot blurbing, We Are the Champions. I thought, I thought it was a kiss of death last night, and I thought it was disgusting, and it made me feel really good, even though I didn't give it out, that I was on Washington Plus 11 last night. First of all, you're a dick for <laughs> plus eleven on the down low, especially when I'm hitting in games and trying to trying to get in game lines. And I don't disagree with you, but I don't think that's on Lori. He's a he's a part of this tailgate. He's sampling the food, and you got this dickhead with a microphone singing a song. First of all, who's the guy at the switch? Uh, you know, on the Spotify. And, and then the guy with the microphone has to understand, like, we have to. How about the Eagles fight song? Can, can we do that? We can do the Eagles fight song. But the idea that the owner shows up and you immediately turn to we are the champions, you're a fucking asshole. Yeah, you can't thank him for the Super Bowl from, like, four years ago. Uh, these, these uh, like, our fans, like, even the guy I called out last week that was down in Houston who brought the sign for Howie Roseman, like, these people are just, are stuck in the past with our, our GM and, and the owner. I don't know what's gotten into everybody down there. And, like, <laughs> we do, we got to talk about the game, but not to go in on the fans. Like, but how about the fightings guy for the Phillies? And then yesterday you had the guy from Ben Salem that was down there at, like, 5.30 a.m. And I'm looking across, like, all social media, and everybody in the building wants to get a, get a video with that guy. Now he's yelling about uh, tomato pies and uh, all the crap. I don't know. What did he bring? Crab cakes or or lobster or something? And, you know, he's he's regurgitating the same line he said in the news clip in the social media post with all these people. So, like, everybody wants to be, like, some sort of, like, Philly fan character now. Oh, yeah. And then the issue isn't even with the character fans. Like, we've always had them. We had the Nick Foles, or we, not the Nick Foles, the uh, Jeff Garcia's our baby guy, which was a fucking classic. Um, but the new, it's the new age kind of Gen Z millennial type who, like, it's not enough to allow that guy to exist. Now we need to take Snapchats with him. Now we need to put a, uh, Instagram stories up with the guy. We have to have him regurgitate, to your point, his fucking lines. I mean, the guy who I have a real issue with is this. Is the, and, and look, I'll just be clear here. There's nothing personal. Nothing personal. By all accounts, probably a great guy. But this Philly sports guy, like every time I open my 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 phone to 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 click on Instagram, this guy's got his face painted like an absolute asshole, and he's screaming in my face. Tonight's the night. Tonight's the night we send these guys home. Come on, Eagles. And then the next night, he'll be at the Flyers. The Orange and the Black. The Orange and... Buddy. Buddy. It's fucking November. Come on, man. Like, 
You want to do that shit down in Houston for the World Series? I'll at least give you a pass, okay? All right, you're a character. You're a, a quote-unquote fan character. But, like, to be going to these soccer games, to be – I mean, when's, is he going to do it for St. Joe's basketball? Is he going to do it for, like, LaSalle basketball? Like, what, what, what is this shit? Yeah, he's – he, like, literally – and again, not not personal, but he literally is like a clown with the face paint, and he gets the hair tied up, and he, and he's got a, every color of paint. He's in every, a new game every day. How's the guy have any fucking cash left with all the games he's going to and all the outfits he's spinning up? It's, all, wow. dude, it's it's wow. it's unbelievable. But like the the did you check your email? Who me? Yeah. No, I, I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> so. The, I was trying to figure out what this guy does for a living. Uh, so I found his website and I don't know if this is just a side hustle or he's got like a full-time job or what, but you can like hire this guy to come do like an event. Like, you know, he could show up at like your, you know, 30th or 35th or 40th birthday and like yell at you with his face painted and his shoulder pads on. So I was wondering if you checked your email because I signed you up. I put all your information in. I wanted You're to see a fucking if you, asshole. Yeah, maybe, maybe you can bring him to Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh my god, he 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 should change change the the uh, Instagram name or the the social accounts to to Philly Philly Sports Clown or Philly Circus Clown or something if he's you know go, going for those kind of events. But I I don't I, I'm not. You know, back to the beginning of kind of the the rant here, but I'm not shitting on the guy from Ben's Helm that's there at 5:30. Like that's what makes Philly Philly. Like that guy is a fucking legend. The problem is, like you said, is now everybody's gonna try to get him on camera, talk about the tomato pies and the 70 beers, and I I don't want to see it. Let let those clips live in infamy. Let them live on, so I can look them up on a rainy day. But I, I don't need to see everybody tagging Barstool Philly and, and getting a picture with that guy. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, like, that guy that they interviewed, you know, obviously Philly sports guy has this thing, face painted, shoulder pads, the whole thing. But the guy who they interviewed who's there tailgating at 5.30 a.m. from Ben Salem, there's, like, there's like 10,000 of those guys in the building. Like, it's just so, like, if Fox News or Fox or whoever it is that shows CBS – NBC, whoever it is that shows up like at a tailgate, there, there's like five to ten thousand of those guys who called out of work tomorrow and came to slug like a hundred beers. That's true. Always, always some good like extracurricular a- entertainment from from these events. But we gotta we gotta talk about the game. Eagles take their first loss of the season after the shenanigans and the we are the champs and early tailgaters and whatnot. Um. I don't know where to start. I think there's, you know, I think there's two ways to feel about this game. I think there's two ways to to look at this game. And I, I, I don't think it's one or the other. I think both can be true. Obviously the refs were trash and altered uh, some of the biggest plays of the game. Uh, but I also think an 8-0 Eagles team might have been smelling themselves a little bit Uh and and didn't show up and got pushed around in the trenches. We always talk about the trenches and how great the Eagles are in the trenches, and that's why they're having so much success. They got dominated in the trenches by the Washington Commanders. So I think it was a combination of, you know, the Eagles didn't have their best stuff, and, and despite having chances to get back in the game, the, the refs hosed them. So curious to get your take, Bob. I know you were hot last night and excited to get on the horn tonight. 
Yeah, I'm still fucking hot, man. Uh, <laughs> and we could we could delve into it. I could do a deep dive. Let's let's just take a step back though and think macro here. And this was a text that came in last night after the game by a real Eagles fan. Not not a guy who's down there with his face painted. Not a guy who's down there talking about the tomato pies. Just a guy who's a father of two, uh, working his nine to five, season ticket holder with bomb. None other than Party Marty. And here's his instant reaction after the game. And and if you think about the macro view, this sums it up. And I quote, the important thing is Hertz did not lose that game. He is the guy. Washington kept him off the field and the team simply looked different. Dot, dot, dot. However, the refs did rob them of opportunities. I think that's an appropriate take. I think it's a long-term view. There's nothing that Jalen Hurts has done yet this season that makes you think he is not the guy. We went into this season thinking, oh, my God, what are we going to do? We have these draft picks. Are they going to take a quarterback? Is Jalen Hurts the guy? He's the dude. He's the franchise quarterback. Even in the loss to a division opponent at home, there's nothing really that he did that causes you to question that. Of all the assholes that think their opinion wants to be heard on Twitter and everybody out there, that writes up stuff and, and videos and content. I got to give it to Party Marty. That's the most rational um, take from that game last night. And and I c- couldn't agree more. Um, Hurts turned the ball over last night, hit A.J. Brown right right in the fucking hands, right, right into double coverage. He drops a dime. That hits him right in the hands, and, and the guy took it from Brown. Um, and, yeah, he, he simply wasn't on the field. So – is is there a reason for concern that maybe this is the recipe to to slow the Eagles down? I mean, you even look back to to Thursday night a couple weeks ago, Houston was able to run the ball at will with Damian Pierce on the Eagles, and now you have Robinson and Gibson uh, and the Commanders run the ball at will on the Eagles. Sustained super long drives. Time of possession last night, 40 minutes and 24 seconds for Washington, 1936 for the Eagles. Washington ran 81 plays. The Eagles ran 47. So is this kind of the recipe? I know Jordan Davis is out uh, stealing a snippet from John Clark. Uh, With Davis on the field, Eagles are giving up 3.87 yards per carry. Uh, without him on the field, 5.1 yards per carry. So are we starting to see maybe our, our, our teams figuring this out a little bit? Or what's your take on that, Bomb? I mean, it's obvious the kid's a difference maker, but I think those statistics probably tell you a um, – it, I, I just think when you look solely at the numbers, it's it's a little misleading. There's bias in that statistic. So Jordan Davis is more likely to be on the field – when it's a running situation, which means that if he's not on the field, it's more likely to be a pass situation, which means that if a team hits you with a run, they're more likely to pick up more yards. Now, do I agree that the guy is a difference maker and he's missed up front? Yeah, of course. I mean, I was telling you last year that Fletcher Cox was washed. Um, so clearly they need to get him back healthy and in shape. But I think it's a mix of that and scheme. I mean, we saw it last night. So, you know, I don't want to really rip Jonathan Gannon too bad. They're off to an 8 no start. But all we've heard all season long is how great our corners are. Darius Slay, Bradbury, you know, two lowest uh, uh, passer ratings against, uh, you know, any corners in the league. 
when QBs throw at them. And it looked like time and time again, you know, he's got two high safeties, 15, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage. Gee, he did it in third and four in a half to stop situation and got bailed at by a penalty. I mean, he had two safeties, 20 yards off the line of scrimmage in, in what you could argue might be a running situation. So, you know, with Davis out, I think they have to rely on their corners. Let Slay and Bradbury be those guys, bring somebody down and stuff the freaking run. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if, like, I don't think, obviously Slay was exposed at times last night. Maybe that's, that's not all on Slay, but I, I also just want, want to put it out there for all the Slay dick riders, um, you know, that have the, the Justin Jefferson stats against Slay saved in the archives for every fucking day of the year. Uh, can we get one of those graphics with Terry McLaurin? Because every time McLaurin plays Slay, I feel like the guy goes off. Uh, but that's that's not to say it's all on Slay. Like, I, I just think there, there were situations last night, I think it was like right before the half, the Eagles gave up that, that field goal. Uh, and, and it's a second or it's a third down, and they got they got Slay 10 to 12 yards off the ball, and they, they catch an easy, you know, six, eight-yard slant right in front of them that, that allows them to, to move just into fucking field goal position and grab three more points before the half. So, um, yeah, the the blitzing and then the cushion, it's, it's not a recipe for success. If we have such great corners and teams are going to try to – we're on the ball right down our throats and we're struggling to stop it. Put the corners on a fucking Island. You know, you know what it reminded me of? And this is solely because Brian, Brian Robinson was the running back the last two times this happened. It reminded me of Alabama's playoff game against Cincinnati. Your two best players on defense are your corners, supposedly, right? Sauce Gardner and Kobe Bryant. And we gave eight to 10 yards cushion. We backed everybody off too high. We didn't want to get killed. We just let them run it right down our throats. That's what the Eagles did last night. The other thing that was infuriating was the way that they attacked the ball and the ball carrier. Like, these guys were not only getting dragged, but it was it was like they were playing a game of, like, I don't know, like Halo capture the flag or something. Like, they're just, like, grabbing onto the guy and, like, thinking it was, like, two-hand touch. How about we fucking hit somebody? Tackle! Wrap up! Drag the guy down! It was like we just put a big bear hug around him and waited for other guys to come while the guy dragged you five yards down the field. There was some there was some tough tackling all around. There there was a play on the sideline. I remember. I don't know if it was a pass or a run, but Slay had a, a weak high effort on somebody. And then the Brian Robinson touchdown. You mentioned Fletcher Cox earlier and uh, his game diminishing with time. I mean, Brian Robinson, this is a guy that got fucking two bullets in the leg uh, what, six weeks ago, eight weeks ago? Um, and he's dragging fucking Fletcher Cox into the end zone. So it's a it's a little bit of a scary uh, scary thing to see um, when your team gets kind of pushed around, ran over, carried around, um, especially against a, a team that's inferior. And when you think that your team has one of the best defensive fronts, one of the strongest offensive fronts. Uh, you know, they've especially the the defensive front, they they've gotten pushed around the last two weeks. Yeah, I don't I don't have much more to say on, on the defensive front. I mean offensively, I mean I don't think the O line had a great pass pro game. Um I, I don't think they ran the ball 
super well. They were efficient when they when they converted and scored, but just too many dry spells, too many three and outs. Um, not enough time for Hertz to kind of sit back there and make plays. It felt like he was kind of running around and just kind of making chicken salad out of chicken shit for much of the night. Yeah. Uh, and then you got to, you got to think about kind of the injuries too. I mean, I think it was the first one, the first drive, AJ Brown runs it out to the sideline and he's, he's gimpy. He don't look right the rest of the night. And obviously Goddard, uh, Dings up the shoulder. He's going to be out at least a few weeks. It sounds like they said not season ending, but a couple weeks, if not more. Um, you know, on, on the was dinged up on the crazy play. You had Kelsey limping around after that first touchdown. So it's uh, not not totally encouraging. Um, it's just, it, <laughs> but it's it's one game, and you, you, I think you got to take the party Marty macro look. It was. No fault of the quarterback. Um, they just they just didn't get him on the field. And, yeah, I, I personally think, you know, we talked about Gannon. thought that game plan was weak. Uh, Steichen and Sirianni, I think when you recognize that you're in a dogfight and that a team is kind of sustaining drives and your defense can't stop the run and you got the best offensive line in football, you got to try to do the same thing right back and give your defense a blow, run the ball. Uh, like you said, Hurts the the pass pro wasn't great last night, so they weren't able to get much rhythm. You know, a couple three and outs that kills momentum, trots the defense right back out there. I know we, we've we've shit on him in the past. Miles Sanders has had a nice year. Feed the guy the ball, move the sticks, keep the clock running, keep keep our defense off the field. Let them get fresh, make the other team come up, try to stop Miles, and then you hit a couple pops. Um, but they th- they're gunslinging it like. I don't even know who, who's who. Who used to throw like fifty-five, sixty pass attempts a game? Like that's that's what the game plan felt like in the first half. They were just air raid. Is there anything that concerns you um, long term, based off what you saw last night, or do you think it's a pretty, you know, fleeting kind of one game stinker? Yeah, that's tough. Um, yeah, I, I think the the inability to stop their own the past two weeks is concerning. I think having a guy who is a NFL backup quarterback at best and Taylor Heineke, have him be able to, to drop some balls in to, to guys that got very open in the secondary, I, I think that's definitely concerning. Um, but it's one game. I'm not, I don't think I'm concerned about the offense because, like you said, once they decided to run in the second half, the run was effective. Uh, I know Goddard's going to be out. That's a huge loss, but that's why you have A.J. Brown. That's why you have Devontae Smith. Um, you you hope a guy like Stoll uh, or, or Jackson, I think he's making his way back, and I think they have somebody else. But you, you just – from SMU. Yeah, you just hope somebody can can, can do a serviceable job and, and catch a few balls at, at, at tight end with Goddard being out. But I, I think the lo- – the, Longer term concern would would be on on the defensive side. I, I don't think I think the offense will be all right because we got back to party Marty. We got the guy. We got the franchise QB. I have a concern, and it and it's with the head coach. Um, and this may be a blip on the radar, an aberration, but we saw it at the end of a half where Hertz bailed them out with a throw to the corner of the end zone to Devontae Smith with like time expiring. And we saw it last night, down by uh, 
uh, I guess it was what five points needing a touchdown and it's three thirty left in the ball game. You have three timeouts and he runs the ball on first down. Didn't run it all night and proceeds to huddle up. Didn't get a play in. And then you're, you're, you go three and out. You're, tr- you're rushing to get this punt off. You get dinged for a man downfield because the punter's got to run to the side to get the punt off. And you totally lost and blew the two minute warning. I mean, I get you don't want to like give the other team the ball back, but we're not talking about Patrick Mahomes here. It's fucking uh, Taylor Heineke. So in my mind, you go down there, you try to score as soon as possible, and you put it on your defense, and you say, "Look, guys, when it's the game, get us a three and out, or get us a, you know, four stops, whatever it is." The idea that you're going to run on first down and huddle up was so pathetic to me, and I don't know that we saw a ton of Sirianni in kind of those game situations last year. I think the jury's still a bit out. I know Doug was amazing in those situations. We saw it in the Super Bowl. Part of that, obviously, is having a veteran quarterback like Foles. But, man, I, I, I was a little concerned by the way that kind of played out. Yeah, that, that, that was a debacle. But it's a, good, it's a good point that, you know, everything's been pretty easy for the Eagles so far this year. Uh, players, coaches, everybody. So you, you can't overreact. And... It's it's a learning experience for for the players and and still the young coach that, that Sirianni is he's done a great job but you you get in these these crunch time moments end of the fourth need to drive you you can't have the coach kill the clock on you and that that's that's what you saw last night um, so you just you hope you hope he learns from it uh, so that it doesn't kill you kill you come playoff time. I got an issue, too, with the quarterback. I mean, he's still the guy. He's still the franchise guy. But he's he's on the sidelines, not, you know, talking to his OC, not talking to his players, not getting plays figured out. You know, I would think you're sitting on the sideline and you got two or three plays already called. All right, first the first play is going to be a run. If we pop him for more than five yards, here's the next play. If we get stuffed, here's the next play. Like, why are we huddling? He's sitting there with a jacket on, staring out at the field, like looking like he's just waiting for the defense to make a play. That that was a really bizarre shot to me, and maybe I'm doing Jalen Hurts dirty, but end of game situation, I don't know. Uh, I don't. I don't think Brady's just sitting there with a jacket on. It's a good point. Stuff that I saw, but d- didn't kind of you know raise any flags in my head. So that, that's a good call. But yeah, that. Getting the ball back with three thirty and that possession was was really bad. And we saw a number of bad possessions last night. Um I think I think you gotta put it put it on everybody a little bit. But uh you talk about concerns. You talk about what's my concern. I had a thought last night after the game ended, you know, given that the Eagles were undefeated, last undefeated team in the NFL. Uh, they have a young whippersnapper as a head coach, decent-looking guy. Uh, they have a young, athletic, mobile quarterback that throws a nice ball. And I couldn't help but think about the 2021 Arizona Cardinals, who were 7-0 and and ultimately finished, I believe, 11-6 and and lost in the wild card round. I, I, I can't help it. Because you, you see this shit that happens. I think the Steelers were the undefeated team, the last undefeated team the year before. that They were 11-0 their season. They were handed their first loss 
by Washington that year. I think they lost in the wild card round. I don't think a lot of good comes historically out of being the last unbeaten team. I know it means nothing. I know it, I'm I'm digging into the archives and everything, and every year is a new year. But being the last undefeated team, man, doesn't usually end well. Just putting it out there. That might be one of the most asinine things I've ever heard on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not even going to address that. You're out. The NFL stinks this year, and you're going to sit here and say the Eagles are a mirage or could be a mirage based off of Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray? Come on, man. I mean, it's not really based off them. I'm just just drawing a a far comparison. But, hey, man, you, you, you were the guy texting me last night. They can't lose this game. End game. I'm, I'm on them end game. They can't lose this game. But maybe well, I wasn't expecting the fucking refs to get a call from Vegas. So, so maybe maybe that's a good segue to to the officiating. Uh, talked about it kind of at the top. It was pretty poor all night. I didn't even think the call uh, that led to the Eagles' second touchdown, the the PI when the ball was thrown to Smith. I thought that was kind of weak. Uh, there was a call. Somebody ran a route like right into Slay. I think it was in the first half. Got to the top of the route and just ran into Slay and broke inside, and they called it on Slay. I thought that was bad. Um, I don't know how I felt about the Dotson pick. They they, they called that, um, but I did, I did think it was funny that 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 Aikman, you know, was like was all all for that. Um, and then we obviously had the face mask that leads to the fumble, and then you have the the BG. Uh, whoa, 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 the CJGJ. <laughs> uh, personal foul, tackling a guy out of bounds when he's still in bounds. Yeah, let's not forget about. That. Yeah, thank you. There were, dude. There were, there were a lot. Uh, and then the Goddard face mask leads to the fumble that changes the game. And then the the nail in the coffin was the, the personal foul on on Brandon Graham. So I don't, I don't know if you need to, if you want to dive in on any of those. Like I, everybody knows the Goddard play was a face mask. Everybody could see the CJGJ tackle the guy was still in bounds maybe we can debate the grand play I, I think it's a, a shit call like I just think it's a big guy who's getting after the play Heineke's like scrambling and then decides to go down outside of the pocket and Graham clearly slides onto his own knees and just like the momentum carries him into the guy it's not head-to-head the only thing that's exposed of Heineke is his head. So that's why they say it's forcible contact to the head neck area. I, I just thought it was a terrible call. And in the situation, how can you reach in and pull that flag? Yeah, yeah. So let, let me set this up, right? You have let, – let's let's just go back to the Goddard face mask. Everyone agrees it's a face mask. Everyone agrees, you know, shouldn't have been a fumble. They Not only should it have not have been a fumble, the, the guy they, – they, they had that as a touchdown on the field. <laughs> Like they, they literally had that as six points the other way. We need to go to the booth to look to see if the guy was down by contact. So the official goes over and he's talking to New York and he's looking in the booth or whatever it is they do these days. And like, does anyone in New York, I want, I need to understand the protocol. Does anyone in New York tell this guy, look, it's a fumble. He's down by contact, but you royally fucked this up. Your back judge royally fucked this up. With missing an egregious face mask. Because at that point, like, it used to be in the NFL before all this replay stuff, there would be makeup calls, right? You butcher one, and then there's a makeup call. It seems like we don't do makeup calls anymore. 
And the Brandon Graham situation, I think it's debatable that it's even a penalty. But perfect situation to just say, you know what? Makeup call. We're, we're, we're going to leave the flag in, in, in the holster. And not only did this guy not do that, he saw it. The referee saw it. He might have had the longest dig into the belt. He looked like he was he was fixing his junk digging down there to pick that yellow flag out. He tossed it so high in the air, you know, Philadelphia International Airport probably saw it on fucking radar. I mean, it's unbelievable. You got two attack of Iowa seizing on a field, and somebody comes sliding in at a two-hand touch down by contact to Taylor Heineke, and we're digging in for that flag. One of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. On the Heineke, on the Heineke uh, uh, kneel down, first of all, the guy's running around. He loses quarterback protection, in my mind, the minute you're outside of the pocket. He's a runner, okay? So ask yourself this. If that's a receiver, is that a penalty? The answer to that is fucking no. Because it didn't look like a kneel down. It didn't look like a slide. It looked like, in fact, if you look from where Brandon Graham was coming around the corner, there's a tackle out there that's that's obscuring Graham's view. And based off of what Heineke was doing, it looks like he potentially lost his footing. He has his hand down in the in the dirt. It's not even like he's on a knee like this protecting the football. He's got one arm on the dirt. He's looking down like he's about to get back up. And, and by the time it's obvious to everybody that, he, that he's actually kneeling, you know, it's too late. So something's got to be fixed here. I'm sorry. Like, that is one of the most atrocious ways to end the game. He did. He did kind of look like he was gonna get up, and maybe he just was getting up because he figured he gave himself up. But regardless, that you're Brandon Graham, you're coming around the edge. You got you can't see shit. You see a guy with a ball outside of the pocket. Doesn't look like he's touched, and, and he's getting up. And then, and then you give up, but your momentum takes you in, and it's not a cheap hit. Yeah. You nailed it, <laughs> and and the, the 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 official did have like the perfect you know two to three second time window that everybody and their mother sitting on their couch or sitting at that game could just be like this motherfucker better not throw that flag and the next thing you know it's up in the air like a firework it was fucking just the the whole the whole way that transpired was just a complete kick in the balls. And I don't know who who was who was the other eagle that was around the quarterback, but like he didn't think it was a kneel down either. Like he was right there. Like they could have easily said, like, "Oh, what is he doing touching the quarterback?" Like it was a really bizarre kneel down. So like we saw in college football last year, Kenny Pickett does the fake slide. They have to they have to ban that. It's not enough to give quarterbacks protection. The quarterback should have to ascribe to a legitimate slide or a kneel down a legitimate slide or a kneel down. I don't know what last night was, but it didn't look like a slide or a kneel down to me. Yeah, they the, the way Heineke got up and celebrated like a complete jerk off. Uh when they went to kneel the ball in the next play, they they should have went hard. They they should have went in and, and, and oh, decapitated oh, yeah. him. Knock him the fuck out. I'm yeah, you know what? I'm I don't condone violence. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm so sick and tired of our teams and our fans being so soft anymore. We saw it with the Phillies in the World Series. There are multiple Astros that should have been drilled right in the ribs. I think that would have warranted a little extracurricular activity after the whistle last night. It was one of the softest ways to win a football game. And they're sitting there hooting and hollering. 
doing the gritty after the game like they just won the Super Bowl. That is fucking disgusting. They ought to be ashamed of themselves. Yeah, it's a shame we won't see him again unless maybe they sneak in. But they ain't sneaking in. Yeah, ways to go. We didn't we didn't talk about my boy Kez, Quez Watkins, but that was that was a tough play too, man. Like it we had they had opportun- they played like shit. They had opportunities. Uh the refs were awful. It just wasn't our night. I think that's I'm I'm at peace with that. Are are there concerns? Sure. Every team has concerns. We we I talked last week about the NFL. How I think that the product, I think a lot of the teams are, are not very good. There's not many good teams. I still think the Eagles are are one of the good teams. You know, one of the top three, five teams in this league right now. So you know, we gotta air it out, but we gotta keep it in check. Um and move on to next week, which Need to see a response, especially from the defense. Going into Indianapolis, coming off a, a big win for that team, that organization with Jeff Saturday. Everybody's fired up about Jeff Saturday, except for the blowhards on national media last week. Um, but that's a that's a rushing attack that can get something going. I know Jonathan Taylor hasn't had a year like last year, but he's a very good running back. Uh, that offensive line can, can block to run, so... I want to see a response from this this defense, this defensive front next week against Matty Ice and Jeff Saturday and the Indianapolis Colts. The Eagles go to Indianapolis, Indianapolis Sunday at 1 p.m. I looked at the line as the Eagles took the L last night and were coming off the field. The Eagles were minus 8.5. Currently, they're minus 6.5. So that line's coming down. Might have to smash that, man. This might be a get-right game for the run defense. If it's a get-right game for the run defense, that means they just tee off on Matt Ryan late, late in um, in the series, third down and whatnot. And uh, that guy's a statue. So, yeah. So my my first thought when I saw eight and a half was hammer the Colts, grab those points, and and hope Taylor runs wild. But the Eagles have, in recent memory at least, have had a lot of success against Matt Ryan, uh, and, and it is a get-right spot and. If my first instinct is to hammer something, it usually goes the other way. So I think we can leave leave the Eagles chatter uh, at that. You can follow us on Twitter at TFTSPod and on Instagram at Thoughts from the Shade uh, as we like to bring, bring up and uh, post about some of the, the clownery that, that goes down, goes on down at the sports complex. Um, NFL, let's... Let's kind of let's look at the playoff picture and kind of who's maybe got a shot, and then I kind I want to get your opinion, Bob, on kind of what teams actually got a shot for like a run. I don't want to say Super Bowl, but like can it? Let's let's do can can this team do damage? How about that? Uh, Damage, damage or dud? Let's you know we're making up segments on the spot. Damage or dud, and Let's start in the AFC. Kansas City at the top at seven and two. We don't need to talk about them. Miami seven and three, overtaking Buffalo in the AFC East. Damage or dud for the Miami Dolphins? Dud. 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 I'm going damage, man. I I think I think uh, I think two is playing really well. The, the games that he is in, he's lighting it up. Uh, they have they have two outstanding weapons in Hill and Waddle. Uh, 
I mean, I I don't know that the defense is great. They got a lot of a lot of points against here in in the standings, but I think that offense can score with anybody. Uh, third place right now in the AFC, the South Division leader, the Tennessee Titans, at six and three. I think they're a dud. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're a total dud. I, I don't know how Mike Vrabel does it, um, but he doesn't do it in the postseason. They're a dud. Baltimore Ravens six and three, leading the North. I think damage, man. There was so much debate about Harbaugh and Lamar early in the season with some of these kind of like losses down at the goal line and decision making and analytics. They're six and three. I mean, they're just getting rolling. This is when this team's going to start getting hot. Um, I think they do some damage. I agree. Jim, uh, John Harbaugh, Lamar Jackson, good defense. Um, you know, playing in the Northeast to tough the cold in the winter. Uh, I think this is a team that can do some damage. Let's go to the three wild card teams. Right now, your first wild card team, the New York Jets at 6-3. and Dodd. Dud for me too. I think that's a that's a program or uh, a franchise that that is on the rise. I think I mentioned it last week. They're building something real nice on defense. I don't know about Zach Wilson. That's a dud. Let's go to Buffalo. Off what many have said is the game of the year in the NFL thus far. I I don't know if Roger Goodell was listening to thoughts from the shade last week and you know had, had a conference call with owners and coaches and said let's step up the fucking product here, boys. Uh, but I was calling for for some good games to watch, and we got it on Sunday with Buffalo and Minnesota. The Vikings taking down the Bills, who sit in the second wild card spot at six and three. Yeah, Bills are a dud for me. Um, I think McDermott's a fraud. Um, Allen's turning the ball over, turning it over in the red zone. Um, they play in a tough division with Miami, New York, and New England. I just I don't see the Bills getting it done this year. And that's the, that's the team that's been the national darling. They they've gotten so much love from the national media. Uh, I'm gonna go Dud with you. I'm gonna go Dud. Josh Allen. I I wish I wrote this down, but I believe after the uh, the pick in overtime against Minnesota, I think he has four. Late game turnovers, fourth quarter or overtime. I think he has four late game turnovers in the last three games for Buffalo. Um, so yeah, they're they're a regular season darling, but they got to put up in the postseason. Your third and final AFC playoff team in the wild card at the moment, the New England Patriots, kind of coming out of nowhere. I think they had a bye this week. They're at five and four. Damage. I think they get the quarterback situation figured out. I think they come on late like they always do, and they get the best coach of all time. So, I agree. They have a great defense, great coach, and they they have two two solid running backs. Ramondre Stevenson has kind of come on as the guy. You can run the football. You can play defense. You have a great coach. You can do damage. Uh, the two teams sitting on the outside that are also five and four: the Chargers and the Bengals. Are the Bengals going to overcome the Super Bowl hangover? Dud and dud for me. I think I'm with you. Uh, I did think the Chargers, for the lack of weapons that they have right now due to entry on the offensive side, I thought they, they played a pretty respectable game on Sunday night against San Francisco. But I also think uh, 
the coaching out of Kyle Shanahan on Sunday night was malpractice. I don't know how you have Samuel, Ayuk, Kittle, McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell, uh, you know, one of the best O-lines in football, and you put up 22 points on a defense in Los Angeles that has been atrocious all season. So maybe if LA gets healthy, they get something. Uh, I'll never count out Joe Burrow. So I'll go Chargers, Dud, Bengals. Uh, I'm going to go damage. I'll never count out. Joey B. Uh, NFC, Eagles and Minnesota at 8-1. Uh, how do you feel about Minnesota, Bob? I, th- I, think, I think we can uh, we can come to a consensus here that the home team can still do some damage. At the home team or the dome team? The, the home team, I'm sorry. Like in the playoffs? Yes, the Philadelphia Eagles. They're, it's, they're damaged. I'm saying consensus damage. Oh, the Eagles. I mean, I thought you were kind of projecting um... – Home field advantage or teams that are playing their divisional round at home. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we need to belabor the Eagles or the Vikings. Let's just keep it moving. So, so you're you're uh, you're, you're believing in the Vikings a little bit off that win against the Bills? No, I'm not believing in them, but I think it, you'd be an ass to say that it's dud. I, I, don't, I don't. They might win a game, get to an NFC Championship game, or get to a divisional round. But I, you know, what's your definition of damage? Can win more than one playoff game. How's that? Make, yeah, make make the conference championship game. Dud. Dud. Wow. I'll go. I'll go. Damage. You go to Buffalo and get a win on the road. You got the best wide receiver in football. Did you see the catch? I think. Yeah, it only took the best catch of all time to win the game. I, that's what I wanted to ask you. When I saw that catch, I immediately thought to myself, "That's the best catch I've ever seen in my life," and it's not even close. Yeah, it was pretty impressive. Unreal. That, that kid can play. Yeah, he he's he's something else. I think he, I think he said after the game, and you know we 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 love eating up some of these quotes. I think he just said, "If I see a ball in the air, it's mine." Like I, I love that shit, man. I just love yeah. I, I love guys that just like have these like quotes that are just so like tunnel vision for their jobs. It 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 makes me so happy. Yeah, that was a good one. The Seattle Seahawks. Coming back down to earth a little bit, losing. Uh, I think the game was in Munich, Germany, to, to Tampa Bay. They're at six and four. They're currently third in the NFC. Yeah, I'm going to go damage. I mean, um, Cheat Carroll. I don't even want to know how long the flight is from Seattle to Munich. Um, so, you know, you lose that game, okay. But after watching Russell Wilson um, in Denver, and then seeing how Geno Smith is playing, I don't think there's any other answer than damage. Russ was the was the problem. I don't disagree, and I, I think I think they can run the football with, with Ken Walker now coming on the rookie, Geno Smith, comeback player of the year. I don't know if he's still leading the league in completion percentage, but he's getting it done. You got Lockie, you got Metcalf. Uh, I don't know about the defense, but, yeah, I, th- I think that's a team that could do some damage. They get a home game. They get the 12th man going. They could, they can definitely uh, build something. How about Tampa Bay? They put the drive together uh, two weeks ago at the end at home to, to beat the awful Los Angeles Rams, and then they, they beat Seattle on Sunday morning uh, overseas. They're at 5-5 five and five now. Yeah, they're done for me. Um Old man Brady divorced crypto in the tank. Um, offense and shambles. They're done. They're done. He's done. Two and zero after the divorce. 
I, I, I can't count them out. Defense gets healthy. No, he, it's over. Da, damn it. Damage for me. All right, we're going to the wild card teams. New York Giants, seven and two. First wild card right now. Damage. Wow. Yeah, I think they're legit, dude. They have a great running back. They have competent head coaching. And, like, you know, it's easy to kind of pile on Daniel Jones because of the high draft pick and the fact that he was mentored by the guy who was, like, mentor of the Mannings. Um, but if you build a game plan around the guy, he's shown he can win you games. He's shown he can move around. He's shown he can execute some throws, even as some kind of like mercurial wide receiver targets. So I, I like the Giants. I think they're a solid team. I like the way they play the game. Um, obviously, I dislike them because they're in the NFC East. But if they were just a random team that we were talking about in a different division, I'd say the Giants can do damage. So I'm going damage. I agree. And. I agree with the sentiment on Jones. Like, the guy's had no weapons to work with in his young career. Uh, he's been behind awful offensive lines. I think that offensive line's gotten it together a little bit. They're still a little short on on receiving. Uh, but he's gotten it done this year. And I think this team has new life under Dable. Uh, obviously, you have Saquon. Uh, and, again, I, I think their defense is tough. So, I would go – I'm going to go damage with the Giants as well. And the Eagles got two matchups – coming up uh, with them down the end of the season here. So uh, could be a good good barometer to see how the birds are bouncing back when they get to the Giants. To some, like, classic, wouldn't it be great to see some classic NFC East games in the postseason? Like yeah. Eagles-Dallas, Eagles-Giants. Like, let's get back to that, man. That was the best. Yeah. It, you, you can't beat the division rivalries in the playoffs and staying in the division, the second wild card, Dallas Cowboys at six and three off the loss. They blew a two score lead in the fourth quarter at Lambeau field on Sunday is Aaron Rodgers back. Maybe we'll get to that. How about the Dallas Cowboys damage or dud? Pretty good dud. I think it comes down to the guy uh, with the headset. I mean, Mike McCarthy, I don't think he had, even when he tries to be an analytics guy, he fails. So he goes for it on that fourth and three when he could have made the field goal to kind of take the uh, take the lead there in OT. So I just have no faith in the guy to be able to pull the right strings at the right time. So I'm going to go dud. I'm going dud too. Uh, obviously, you talked about McCarthy not not donning the headset late late in that game against Green Bay. Um, Dak Prescott two turnovers. I know we had some miscommunication with uh, with Lamb and Schultz on those plays, and who's to blame? I don't know, but somehow this guy seems to screw it up uh, in, in big moments. Uh, he's obviously done that in the playoffs. I think it continues. And I, I think that defense has fallen off a little bit. Get, would they give up 31 to Green Bay? That, that's an offense that's been fucking pitiful all year. Um, so, dud for Dallas. Last wild card in the NFC at the moment, the San Francisco 49ers and our buddy Kyle Shanahan at five and four. Dud. Dud for me. I have no faith in that guy. Um, weapons all over the field. Shitty quarterback, shitty coach. In fact, gee, I don't know if I could maybe just do a little soliloquy here. I would, you know, we, we, we're just coming out of kind of election se- season. I wish there was a way to put national matters of importance on the ballot for national votes. And the one that's top of mind for me right now that I would propose as a fan of the NFL is I I wish there was a ballot initiative whereby we can ban 
the San Francisco 49ers from ever playing on Sunday night football or in a game where Chris Collinsworth is doing the color commentary. That guy would have you believe that it's the Joe Montana, Joe Montana and Jerry Rice era 49ers, the way he talks about them. Oh, oh my God. How, how is Los Angeles staying in this game? Buddy, they're four and four. They stink. Yeah. I mean, we've been calling it since last year. Every every big broadcast with San Francisco, it's the Shanahan Stroke Fest. And they've got they've got the plethora of weapons. They add McCaffrey. Uh and they they still get down inside the five uh, a couple times tonight and, and don't punch it in. It's it's a disgrace. If I was a 49ers fan, I'd I'd be calling for that guy's head. I think I think I wrote on Twitter on Sunday night after that game. Is it uh is it crazy to to rec- you know, nominate somebody to be fired after a win because if so, Kyle Shanahan's the guy. And then you got the Shanahan, you know, kind of sh- stroke fest from um, McCaffrey. And Ed McCaffrey, who played for old man Shanahan, so, oh, oh, I knew when Kyle was a young kid, he was he was born to coach football. The guy sucks. It's a family affair, man. Um, let's do two more quickly. Washington, we obviously saw what they just did. Wentz is out of the picture. Although, if the Eagles game against Washington and Philly got pushed back to Tuesday like it did last year when we went bomb, Wentz would have been eligible to play tonight. Yesterday was his last day. He wasn't eligible. So how about the 5-5 five and five commanders? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go damage. And it's because we've seen the last of Carson Wentz's reign in the NFL I don't think the guy ever starts a game in the NFL again. I think he's done. I think he's cooked. Um, and although I hate the Redskins and I can't stand Ron Rivera, um, and Heineke did that whole thing after the penalty, I, I really, deep down, really kind of like the way Taylor Heineke plays. You heard it from McLaren after the game. He said he gives his guys a chance. So, like, Kind of like when Wentz was in Philly, he refused to throw that 50-50 ball, and then all of a sudden Foles goes in and he's throwing back shoulder passes to Alshon. That's a little bit of kind of how Heineke plays. He gives his guys a chance, and is it going to result in turnovers at times? Absolutely. But I think it's prudent to take those chances whenever you can, given it's the right situation. So, yeah, I mean, even in spite of it, I hate I hate Rivera. I, I hate the Redskins. I hate the ownership, but I'm going to go damage, man. I don't know if I said damage or dud for San Fran, but I'm going dud. And I'm going dud for Washington. I, I don't disagree with a lot of the things that, that you said about them and, and the sentiment on Heineke, but I, I, I this this team isn't going to win a playoff game. I, I, I'd be shocked. Um, we got a couple teams sit, sitting at four and six, Green Bay, Atlanta, Arizona. Uh, two games out of this last wild card spot, or one game out. One and a half. I don't know. My brain's uh, malfunctioning. But I want to talk about Green Bay. Does Can Green Bay make a run and get back in? Aaron Rodgers, you know, years ago we heard about R-E-L-A-X. And then I believe the, the quote on the field on Sunday was, we're not dead yet. Is there any magic left uh, in Green Bay for 12? I mean, it depends on your definition of magic. It depends on your definition of damage. I think they get in the playoffs. Um, you know, look at the division there. Chicago, Detroit. I think the Minnesota Vikings are a bit of a mirage. 
Um, so I think they claw their way back in with some divisional games at the end of the end of the season. And I just don't think the NFC is that good. I think beyond the Eagles, I think the Eagles are kind of the top tier and, and I think Minnesota is obviously kind of a clear second, but beyond that, there's nothing here that impresses me. And, uh, you look at how they won that game on Sunday, the young receivers getting going. I mean, there's, there's something to that where Rogers is bringing these guys along, mentoring them. And, uh, I think he's showing some fire with LaFleur again. So I, I like him. I, I think damage. It's not a team. If they make a run and go into the playoffs, that's not a team I'd want to play. I totally agree. I think the Eagles have them in two weeks on Sunday night. Should be a good game. Um, that's a game I'm looking at for hammering Green Bay money line because I know there'll be a dog. It'll be a deep dog because the, the Eagles are playing at home. I'll be there. We're actually going to hold the flag for that game. The flag got pushed back. We sold our tickets last night. I would have held the flag. You probably saw it on TV. I would have held the flag if Wentz was playing, but he's not playing. He was on the sideline, but he's not playing. So we're going to do Green Bay. I love it. Uh, I'm going damage on Green Bay too. And I, I talked about kind of uh, – the win for Tampa Bay two weeks ago over the Rams, they kind of won in dramatic fashion on a last drive. They followed up with a win over Seattle. Green Bay comes back from down two scores late, wins in overtime against Dallas. Like I think those are wins uh, for teams that, that can get them rolling, and obviously the guys leading the charge uh, have been there and done it in Brady and Rodgers. So those are kind of guys you can't count out, and then when they kind of have uh, – gutsy uh, or, or signature wins, or maybe not signature, but, but wins that can get the wheels turning. Um, I, I think I think there's kind of legs to that kind of stuff, uh, especially as we move move along in the season and, and in a weak NFC, like you mentioned, Bomb, where I, th- I think these standings uh, over the last seven, eight games here could really be in for a shakeup. But we'll look forward to, to week 11. And we'll look forward to Eagles-Colts on Sunday uh, at 1 o'clock. Let's take it over to college football. Uh, We're recording here Tuesday evening. We're waiting. We're awaiting. I don't know if they're outbound. I don't know if you're looking at the phone or the computer. I'm not looking. I'm locked in for our listeners here. Uh, But we got another addition to the college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. Um, So... I kind of want to give our top six and and see how it stacks up and, and kind of get your thoughts on things uh, as ranking season has begun and, and the playoff picture is taking shape. You want to lead us off, Jay? I can lead us off. I think last week I had Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and TCU. I don't know that I gave a 5-6, uh, but my top four is unchanged this week. Uh Georgia, just another win uh, on the road at Mississippi State. Not much of a game there. Uh, they're up to 10-0. and 0. Uh, They will play Tennessee, or not Tennessee, they will play LSU uh, in the SEC championship game in a few weeks. That was locked in this weekend. I got Georgia at number one. Number two, I am sticking with the Michigan Wolverines off a 34-3 win at home against Nebraska. Number three, I will... I think I got. I think I got to make a shift here. I think. I think I got to make a shift. Give me the TCU Horned Frogs at three. Uh, I talked about last week. I thought they were going to lose to Texas. Uh, they were seven point dogs. I think it closed seven and a half. 
they were they were big dogs on the road at Texas, a Texas team that has lost some tight games this year, and, and I think is is pretty damn good. Uh, TCU goes in there and battles. I know Quinn Ewers was was pretty bad. I know Duggan wasn't great. It was kind of an ugly game, but this TCU team just continues to outperform expectations, uh, and they they win in a tough environment. They got another tough game coming up, I believe, against Baylor at Baylor at 12 o'clock on Saturday, uh, where I want to say that they are a they're a two and a half point favorite on the road. So not not laying much there. We'll see if they can do it again. I got TCU at three as they carry the flag for the Big 12, uh, and then at four, I'll, I'll stick with Ohio State. Um, you know, they they didn't mess around with with Indiana. They get the big win at home. They get the touchdown for um, the journeyman. All good and well. So my top four is Georgia, Michigan, TCU, and Ohio State. I'll keep. I'll go with uh, Tennessee. Excuse me. At number five, the only loss being to Georgia, and I Oregon loses. They're coming out of the sixth spot. They lose a heartbreaker to Washington. That was a great game. I'm between LSU and USC. I guess you got to go with LSU right now. Um, I know that they have the two losses, but I think they have the better win. So, so give me Georgia, Michigan, TCU, Ohio State, Tennessee, and the LSU Tigers, led by Brian Kelly. I like it. Um, remind me here because it's been a while since we did our CFP rankings. Is this where we rank them if the playoff was today, or are we ranking them uh, kind of what we see at the end of the year? I am basing it off of how I see it today, uh, not how I think it will shake out or who will be there at the end. I'm going currently, you know, w- what's your resume right now? That's as as if I was on the committee for tonight, Bob. That's how I'm ranking them. All right. Well, I don't. I don't think it's it's. Um, I don't think it's too different than you. I got Georgia at one. I got Michigan at two. Uh, I'm going to flip-flop TCU and Ohio State. So I got Ohio State at three, TCU at four. Uh, My number five team, I got USC. And number six team, I have uh, Tennessee. Um, What's going to be interesting, though, is how the committee will value kind of the, the Ohio State-Michigan outcome. Um, depending upon who wins that game, what the score is like. Uh, because Tennessee loses that game. They obviously don't get to represent the SEC East. Um, likewise, for what appears to be the loser of the game in Ohio State-Michigan. Do they look at those losses favorably? And depending upon the chaos that, that ensues, you know, who kind of gets in? Does a one-loss Tennessee who doesn't represent the East get in over a Pac-12 champion? I don't know. Does a one-loss Ohio State or Michigan get in over a Pac-12 champion? Do both get in over a Pac-12 champion? I think a lot of this is going to hinge on TCU. They have to go undefeated. It's going to be very interesting. And I think if TCU loses loses at some point, um, it's disqualifying. I think they'll be out. And I think that opens the door to an SEC champion, LSU. If they can beat a Georgia, this may be the first year where you see a two-loss conference champion make the CFP. 
That's a bold move. Yeah, I mean, I like your rankings. I didn't feel great about LSU at six, but I, they they have the the better win, I feel like, than USC uh, over Bama, although LSU kind of struggled with Arkansas this weekend, and that was one of my few plays. Might be might be the only play that I cashed this weekend was the, the Razorbacks plus three and a half. But, yeah, a lot hinges on TCU. Um and a lot hinges on this game Saturday night in the Pac-12. You have the USC Trojans at the UCLA Bruins. Uh, USC currently a one-and-a-half-point favorite on the road Saturday night. But if you don't get a, a one-loss Pac-12 champ and you don't get a TCU, I think we might be looking at an SEC versus Big Ten college football playoff. I think you, you get your, your SEC champ. I think you get Tennessee. And I think as long as the game is close, you get Ohio State and Michigan, which I wouldn't love to see, but I I think I think it's a possibility. Do you want to hear the ultimate chaos? Ohio State and Michigan, one team wins that game, and uh, let's say they lose the, the Big Ten championship. I think that's a disqualifying to the to, to the team in the West? I'm just saying, man, yeah. anything can happen. Championship Saturday. I think the Big Ten would be out at that point. TCU loses. The Big 12's out. I think you could be looking at, think about this, you could be looking at a Georgia, Tennessee, LSU, and Alabama CFP. Oh, my God. They couldn't do it. There's no way they could do it. Guess what? You would watch. Oh, I would definitely watch. That would be electric. It would honestly probably be the best bang for your buck watching the CFP. Um, yeah, I, I think we're in for, we're definitely in for one conference getting two teams in. I think it's possible that we get two conferences with two teams in. Um, or I could be fucking totally off base and we get, you know, a player from all over the place. Uh, but that's, that's what makes it fun. Um, I was up at Penn state this weekend, I don't know if you had any inquiries about the trip bomb, me returning to the alma mater. It was a rainy weekend in Happy Valley. Uh, I took my fiance up for the first time to see the campus, see the town, see Beaver Stadium and go in. It's a good time. Um, you know, so, something about getting up there, even at 30 years old, you feel like a college kid again. You think you can throw them, throw them back with the best of them. And then you, you wake up with a pounding headache uh, and you get right back on the horse for the tailgate. I don't think this quite rises to the point of bone to pick of the week, Uh oh. but I have a, a sub bone with you. Is it that I only gave out like three picks all weekend? Cause I went to Penn state. Well, that was, that was garbage. I, mean, <laughs> I wasn't going to go there, but now that you said it totally garbage, you're just protecting the, protecting the, uh, the record. Uh, trying to run the clock out on the year. It ain't right. Um, so, you know, you're a newly engaged guy. You're mer- in some ways merging lives, right? And I'm, I'm going through the same thing myself. We're merging lives. We're merging traditions. We're, 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 we're weaving the fabric of each other into the other person. Okay. So you're a Penn State honk. And you are recently engaged and you decide to bring your better half up to watch Maryland, not a whiteout, not Ohio state, Maryland. 
In November. I mean, you might as well just brought her to go see Michigan State like the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I think that's a total violation on you, and I'd like to give you the opportunity to respond. So uh, I tried to initiate the trip uh, you know, earlier in, in the football season. We'll call it September. And I had my eyes on Minnesota for the whiteout. I had my eyes on Ohio State. Uh, but there were, you know, whispers that that was going to be 12 o'clock game, which ultimately it was. I think the 12 o'clock games are the worst to go to up in Happy Valley. I think I think 3.30 is the best. I think 7.30, 8 o'clock is better than 12, but still a marathon of a day uh, to, to go to a game that late. 3.30 is the sweet spot. But uh, the way the plans shook out, uh, we went with, the fia- like, a friend group of the fiancés and not mine. So, you know, the whiteout didn't work out. Ohio state was out of the, qu- was out of the question. Hang on. And this was, this was the weekend that, that, that crew settled on. I wasn't, let's put it this way. I wasn't leading this crew, you know, getting the tickets, booking the house. You know, I, I was, I was just a, a player on the team, so to speak. So here you are, the host of one of the most prolific and growing sports podcasts in the region. Probably give the most airtime to the to the Penn State story of any podcast around. And you were a mere passenger in the selection of the weekend? I mean, that's unbelievable, G. I figured you'd have this thing planned out. In fact, what I'm prepared to do is offer you a bit of uh, redemption. I think there are so many Penn State honks that listen to this podcast we should get like a fan. You should you should do like a fans of Philly trip. <laughs> Thoughts from the shade can be the official sponsor of like the one game up in Happy Valley once a year. We'll go up. We'll cook hot dogs. We'll rent the RV. Uh, we'll watch James Franklin do his push ups on the sideline, and we'll all go home. We'll drink the Kool Aid. We'll all go home and have a great Sunday. I, I would love to do that with you, but it obviously you know based on the friend groups, based on. You know, the folks who make these types of things, you're not a guy who kind of takes the bulls by the horn, you know, takes the bull by the horns up there at Happy Valley. Gee, I need to see a little more, a little more oomph, a little more, you know, uh, you know, action from you, so to speak. All right. It's noted. I think it's fair. And and we're going to, we're going to cook it up. We're going to cook it up for next year. Let's 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 maybe co- we get chip, we'll get Chip in the building too. We'll, we maybe he, he won't have to sell his tickets. Yeah, we'll get we'll get him in the building. We'll, we'll we're gonna cook something up for the whiteout next year. How's that? Um, but no, you're right. Uh, but yeah, we. I mean, Friday was a wash. You know, I'm we're out at the bar having having a good time. Uh, Saturday, nice day up until about two o'clock, two thirty. Then the clouds roll in. The wind starts blowing. Uh, the rain starts coming down, but we hadn't eaten a lick of a shit all day uh, other than Miller lights and Natty lights and, you know, whatever. So we're, we're, we're getting into the game for ch- what, what's that? No wing stop wings over, man. Wings over. We had, oh, we had the, we had the wings over Friday night. Um, but we, we, we charge into Beaver stadium around three o'clock to get the, the chicken finger basket. Um, you know, like you said, let the, let the better half get kind of the pregame experience, the band, the theatrics. Um, you know, what makes college football so great is is really like the band and the atmosphere, uh, more so than the play uh, up there on the pitch at Beaver Stadium. So we, we took that in. We took in a touchdown. We took in a couple drives. We're getting poured on. We, we got the fuck out of there. Uh, 
and went to the bar. But it's just remarkable to me. I hadn't been up there in probably four years to a football game. The amount of people uh, in that stadium, even even for a game like Maryland, and then you're sitting there f- for the pregame, and, and this shit is like is like church for people. Like the band's playing the songs, and I got old ass men sitting all around me singing along all the words. It's it's just really remarkable, uh, you know that 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 Penn State football man, and I, I love it to a fault, but it's a way of life for those people up there in Central PA. Yeah, I'll say it a different way. It's a freaking cult. It is. It is. There's no there's no denying it. Um, but it's just, you know, when you're not up there for, for some time and then you got guys in, in, in camo jackets and, uh, you know, waiters that, that they go fishing in, in in this rainy game and they're, they're singing along to the alma mater every word. It's, it's something else, but. Let me paint a picture for you. It would be as if I showed up every week at Lincoln Financial Field with my little seat and my waiters and the team disappointed me year in and year out and didn't win shit and um, was 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 vanquished to being a bottom feeder in its division. But yet I'm there early for the games and cheering on the Eagles drum line and singing the fight song. It's bad, G. Don't it's do bad. Don't, don't do the blue band like that. Don't do the blue band like that, man. Comparing them to what the Eagles. Comparing them to the Eagles drum <laughs> <laughs> The Eagle. So, little known fact about me. I know not many folks have gone to a game with the bomb. Every time those no talent hacks step into the end zone, I boo them. The Eagles <laughs> drum line are one of the most talentless. It's I can't even call it music. It's rhythm. They're the most talentless hacks you'll ever see. I don't know how we we we, we wound up with a bunch of bozos who bang pots and pans in the middle of the fucking end zone and march through the parking lot. It's disgusting. I can't stand it, but that, that's my feelings. That's good. Yeah, it's like it's like the people you see. It's like it's like the Philly sports guy. It's like the people you see on TV with the shoulder pads. And now the new thing is the chains. The chains, the big-ass chains. Everybody's got like a turnover chain now or something. Like the fans, not the players. The, the fans in the stands or the people with the shoulder pads or, you know, there's Penn State people that wear those ugly-ass masks. Like, they're all over the place. But, no, it was a good trip. And, yeah, we, we, we got to do it a little better next time. We got to we gotta step up uh, the, the game and whatnot. But, no, I wasn't in the building for the James Franklin push-ups, you know, enforcing his own rules of accountability on himself for taking an unsportsmanlike conduct penalty. Uh, he's still an ass. And it was funny. I don't know if you caught it in the oh. – in the Monday night football pregame, it was either RG three or Alex Smith. They, they do the come on man segment. You know, if somebody gets mossed or somebody gets laid out or makes a dumb play, James Franklin doing the pushups got come on man on the Monday night football pregame. So I, I appreciated that. Um, but I will say state sitting at eight and two that they might be cracking the top 10 tonight, top 12. I had them at eight and four this year. looks like they're going to go 10 and two. It looks like, They'll get a New Year's Six bowl. So as hard of a time as I give them and, and you like to give them, if they go 10-2 and two and get New Year's Six, I think they outperformed expectations this year. So it's not all trash. And I know we rip on the NFL this year, but that really goes to show you how bad, how bad NCAA football has been this year. I mean, we keep talking about expansion and expansion, and, and, and the more I think about it, I mean – 
I don't want to watch a, a number nine seed Penn State go, go on the road and get throttled by somebody. I, I really don't, because then all you'll hear about the Penn State from the Penn State fans is, "We made the playoff. We made the playoff." Yeah, that's it's going to be a, it, it, with expansion. It's a different standard. Ma- making it ain't going to be ain't going to be what it was, you know, in this this four team era. So I got you there, uh, but. I had lower expectations for this team. They're, they're, they're doing well. They're playing a lot of young guys. And uh, next year will be a ginormous year for the Nits. Um, Bob, I hope you're I hope you're ready to rock. You uh, you teased this for me in the uh, you know in the prep session before we hit record. And it's your bone to pick of the week. So I'm I'm going to take a breather. I'm going to step aside. I don't know where this is going to go, but I'm excited. I think the listeners should be excited. You're back this week, and you're back with fire. It's Bomb's Bone to Pick of the Week. Thanks, G. This is a multifaceted bone. Um, <clears throat> we're going to go a little current event here on you. Going to take it outside of the sports world. It's it's tangentially related to the sports world, but uh, we're going to talk a little bit about FTX, crypto, the crypto bros. Um, news comes out this week that this guy, S, they call him SBF, Sam Bankman-Fried, uh, blew up his hedge fund and at the same time blew up his customers' deposits at FTX. So this guy was running. Two companies. He had FTX, the crypto exchange, where you could buy and transact crypto. Uh, and then he had a, a hedge fund uh, trading firm, Alameda Research. The CEO of that company was his fucking girlfriend, who, by the way, was hideous. Caroline Ellison, born in 1994, is the CEO of a hedge fund. So basically, this guy put a puppet in place uh, on the hedge fund side of things. And Long story short, it turns out, and it sounds like all of his bets imploded, um, and he found a creative backdoor way to loan FTT tokens uh, to FTX and receive the dollars that were in his customers' accounts, all highly illegal, although they do uh, their business in the Bahamas or did do their business in the Bahamas. Um I read online that that, that 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 this fraud, this 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 level of theft, uh, is expected to vastly exceed Bernie Madoff. Um, the losses at the hedge fund are around ten billion, um, but the, you know the bone isn't with that. The bone is with the people who bought crypto through FTX. The bone is with the investors at Sequoia Capital, the Tom Brady's, the Giselle Bunchins of the world, the Steph Curry's of the world. Uh, I'm going to throw his name in there. I don't even know if he's involved. The Andre Iguodala's of the world. Um, uh, the other splash broke, uh, Clay, what's his name? Clay uh, Thompson. Clay Thompson. I'm assuming all these guys are involved. You got the Miami Heat with a logo on the top of the, the, the fucking uh, arena. You have Major League motherfucking baseball with FTX logos slapped across Cowboy Joe West's chest, slapped across Angel Hernandez's chest, a five-year deal with the Umpires Association. So 
you know, I know a lot of people who maybe listen and made some money, own crypto, this, that, and the other. I thought the whole idea of crypto is, you know, you own the key, you have the specific key. I'm not a crypto guy, but it seems like a lot of people kept this stuff in the exchange. I feel bad for the employees. Um, it turns out that this guy kind of tacitly or implicitly or explicitly required his employees to keep all their money on the exchange, um, saying it was like a bank. Those people not only do not have a job, they no longer have any money. Uh, so, yeah, a, a lot to unpack here. But the, the bone of the week, I mean, this guy, I, I, I watch videos of this guy now, G. So, so you got Brady, who's an investor, you know, equity, Giselle, uh, equity, you got uh, uh, Steph Curry presumably involved. All these guys, everyone thinks they're smarter than 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 like you know than Buffett. You know, oh, I'm, I I have I have access to this investment opportunity. You got uh, I know it's a different company, but you got Matt. Remember that commercial with Matt Damon? Fortune favors the bold or the brave, whatever the fuck it is. He's walking around acting like buying crypto on a fucking exchange is like uh, you know going out of space. I mean. It's unbelievable the level of grift, the level of fraud. And I think these celebrities, these investors, these athletes, the leagues that accepted the money, I think they bear some responsibility. And I think the bone is there, there, there was no vetting. And then I watched the videos of this guy. Gee, this guy was like, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know how to say it uh, really publicly, but like, I would encourage anybody who's listening to this. Go fire up YouTube and type this guy's name in, listen to him talk. I wouldn't give him a penny. Not one penny. Not one fucking penny. There was a picture of him out in Saudi Arabia meeting with the Saudi investment firm, uh, you know, the family firm out there, and he's wearing an FTX custom print T-shirt, like something you get off of custom make, right? It's a faded black T-shirt. Looks like it hasn't been washed in three weeks. He's got stains all over it, stains all over his chest like he just ate, like, you know, leftover Chinese food, and he's there making deals for billions of dollars. Who is doing the due, due diligence, G? So I got a lot of problems. It's with the athletes. It's with the regulators. It's with, you know, this this guy, SBF, his girlfriend, his bozo girlfriend who's running the hedge fund. But, um, yeah, I mean, do I feel bad for the for the people who lost money? I feel bad most for the employees because they had their money in it. I don't. I really don't feel bad for the people who are transacting crypto because they're idiots. I don't disagree. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know a lick about crypto. I, I never, I never got into it. Um, oh yeah. Well, that, Cause you're informed. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a meta, it's a VR, it's a, it's a fake, uh, what do you want to call it? Coin, uh, money. What's the word for money that I'm looking for? Currency. Currency. Yeah. So no, I, I don't have much, but no, I think I think the bone's valid. You know, they they got a, a, every uh, every a list celeb to jump on board and pump this shit, and you know, people just hop in and, and th- throw their throw their money away. They're just ha- happy to be a part of it. Oh, I'm I'm the first to have this. Do you have this? Do you do you have a do you have Coinbase? Like, come on, man, this shit this shit's a sham. And you you talked about FTX Arena down down in Miami. Did you see who put the bid in to uh, to get the naming rights there? I oh, did. Your thoughts? It's uh, it's going to be the BBC, if accepted. Uh, Bang Bros Corporation, uh, the, the British Broadcasting Corporation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Bang Bros trying to trying to grab some some naming rights down in down in Miami. So we'll, we'll you see. Know what? Everyone's gonna here's the thing. Everyone's gonna laugh. Everyone's gonna laugh at that. Oh, it's a big joke. Oh, the NBA can't be associated with that, right? Oh, we can't have the NBA associated with Bang Bros. Well, you just slapped the big FTX on the logo and stole billions of dollars from regular people. You got no problem doing that. You got no problem going and selling your product over in China where they got people in concentration camps. But we're going to draw the line at Bang Bros. Center. <laughs> it ain't right, man. That's wild. Yeah. Current events are, are wild these days. Um, it's hard, hard, hard not to get sucked in, but we, we like to keep it light here. Yeah, we on keep T- it like on TFTS. Yeah, yeah no, we, we keep the people informed. You know, it, it intersects the sports world. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah, we we gotta we gotta bring a little common sense to 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 the current events and and sporting world here on TFTS. And in the in the uh, in the name of keeping it light, the holiday season is approaching. We got Thanksgiving Day a week from Thursday. Bomb. You and I have spent countless Thanksgivings together. Looking forward to doing it again. Uh, we'll obviously have picks this weekend. We'll have Thanksgiving Day picks. You know, maybe we'll give a pick over a turkey uh, in the kitchen on Thanksgiving Day. Who knows? But we got to mix it up for the mix and match six pack, and we're not going picks this week, folks. We are going Thanksgiving grub. Uh, so we'll each give our top three. I, I think Bomb's a little more. Uh, creative uh more willing to to divulge in the variety of foods offered at the thanksgiving table but let's let's go three and three here uh what do you gotta have on thanksgiving bomb yeah first of all just lead off by saying favorite holiday i think it's the best holiday it's one of the few holidays that we have left that hasn't gone totally corporate uh you know, obviously we got football on and we got, you know, you got to get the big turkey from the store. But, you know, for the most part, it's about getting together. It's about, it's about, you know, really what America's all about, overeating, right? And for me, you know, you talk about a six-pack. I love Thanksgiving because of the plethora of sides, okay? If the turkey didn't exist, and it may not with inflation this year, we don't know what's going on, right? If the turkey didn't exist... You have these delightful sides that you don't try any other time during the year. And I got three here for you. I'm going to leave the classics to my man, G. But I'm going to kick it off. I don't know if it's a sweet potato. I don't know if it's a yam. But that yam sweet potato type thing with kind of like the syrup around it. Cut that thing in half, man. Throw that on the plate. Ah, delightful. The best. Uh, Number two on the six-pack. I love the green bean casserole, Okay. I'm a green bean casserole guy. I could slug that down. It probably goes right to the arteries, but I, I love green bean casserole. But to round out the other, the, the, you know, the last three, the, the the third of my of of the uh, of the six, it's almost like a dessert. Okay, I love this. I look forward to it every year. I get it one day out of the year. The pineapple bake, so good, so tasty. I'd eat it once a month if it if it, if it was available commercially. But you know, you get it once a year. I like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that I do pineapple bake. I don't know that I do the yams. You know, maybe I'll venture out and, and try some new things this year. What, what was what was number two again? 
The green bean casserole. Casserole. I dabble on that. I can dabble on that. That's that's some good stuff. Uh, number four, the six pack. I mean, it's it's truly number one on Thanksgiving. Stuffing. Uh, you know, you get it on the football field, on the TV. You know, fourth and goal, third and goal. You, you get some stuffing, uh, and you get a ton of it on your plate. I eat this shit every year uh, until it gives me the the grossest heartburn you'll ever feel in your life. Um, but I think about it leading up to Thanksgiving dinner every year. Got to love the stuffing. Uh, you know, g- going back to our Irish roots, you got to go mashed potatoes, man. Meat and potatoes, turkey and potatoes. I'm a huge mashed potatoes guy. Um, you know, and the best part about, you know, the entire Thanksgiving dinner bomb is that you you can kind of mix it all together. I know every, people are are hot on the, uh, the sandwich the next morning, putting everything from the Thanksgiving dinner plate on the sandwich the next day. I'm all for it. I, I love mixing it together. You, you, you get some stuffing, you get some mashed potato, you grab a piece of turkey, you, you fork it all down together. It's a beautiful thing. Uh, and in the spirit of, of keeping it simple, my last has got to be the biscuit. You know, those little Pillsbury biscuits. You butter them up, you eat about seven of those. Uh, you talk about overeating. Uh, we have a family member. We have a, a loyal listener of this podcast uh, who I believe at the age of probably 25, 26. I don't know if he's pushing 27 yet. This guy only eats biscuits at the Thanksgiving table. Uh, he's been known to pop in at DiGiorno. I don't know if we're going to get anything new this year out of the guy, um, but I'll, I'll give him credit. The biscuits on Thanksgiving, they're warm, they're soft, they're buttery. Uh, you got to love them. And yeah, you, you talked about it at the top, but Overeating, uh, America. How about the three S, man? Food, family, and football. I mean, it's just, it's a beautiful day, uh, and we're looking forward to it. I don't know if you, you got anything else to top off the six pack or anything else on, on the upcoming holiday. Oh, man, just excited. You know, food, food, family, football. There's no gifts, there's no like sending cards out. You just show up, grub, and gamble. It's a beautiful day. Um, I think that about does it, man. I mean, this is, this has been a healthy app. You got anything else you want, you want to leave the people with this week? Nah, no, no crypto insider knowledge, you know, no, no tokens this week for me. Um, wish everybody a great, great last full week. Yo, you know what? If you're listening to this on Wednesday or Thursday, don't coast into the weekend. Okay. You got, you got a short week next week. Finish it out strong. Get that productivity up. Send those emails. Get those Excel reports in. We got it going on, man. We're hit, we're we're hitting we're hitting peak football. It's that time. It's hard to believe that it's come this fast. But yeah, the the, the time off, the indulging, it feels a little bit better after you you grind it out a little bit harder. So. We'll leave it at that for this week. We'll thank everybody for listening. We'll thank our sponsors at Menard Premium Detailing. uh, And we'll ask everybody listening to share this podcast with someone that you think might like it. We appreciate it. Have a great week. We'll talk to you next time.